You're listening to This Week in South Baltimore, brought to you by SouthBmore.com. Welcome back, friends and neighbors around Sobo. You're listening to another episode of This Week in South Baltimore. This is episode three. We've been away for a couple of weeks now, but uh, we're going to bring you one of these episodes every couple of weeks, catch you up. There's a lot been, that's been going on around the neighborhood and around the city in general. As always, of course, it's myself, Nate Harper, joined with Kevin Lynch. What's up, Kev? Hey, what's going on, Nate? Good to talk to you. You too, man. Good to hear you again. Can't wait to hear our rundown this week of uh, what's going on around South Baltimore. Again, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Kev, so I know there's got to be some uh, some openings and closings going on around the business community. Sure, yeah. It's kind of a busy week when it comes to uh, openings and closings. We did have uh, two closings that were announced at McHenry Row and Locust Point. The Urban Oyster, which was a fast, casual seafood restaurant that also has a bar. They announced their closing. Uh, that that business is owned by uh, Jasmine Norton, who was the chef and owner of that business. And um, unfortunately for them, this was a business whose foundation was in farmers markets and events. So really, a huge part of their business was unable to uh, you know continue during this pandemic. As you know, farmers markets have moved towards a uh, kind of grocery model only. Uh, obviously, there's no events going on. So really, it became all about the. Uh, the brick and mortar for Urban Oyster. And obviously, it's been a challenging time for all restaurants. So unfortunately, the Urban Oyster announced that they will be closing at McHenry Row, but they did tease that they want to get another location and keep their business going. So we'll keep an eye out for uh, what the Urban Oyster is up to next. So uh, a shame that uh, McHenry Row loses a good seafood business, but uh, we'll see what happens in that spot next. Interesting enough, that um, retail space was a Asian concept uh, about three or four times over until a couple years ago when it was subdivided down into three smaller spaces, the Urban Oyster being one of those, Clean Juice, a juice shop that's still there, that was one, and Passport Health. So now they knocked it down to smaller, you know, 1,000 to 2,000 square foot spaces as opposed to that big, uh, close to five to six thousand square foot Asian restaurant that was in there before. So we'll see uh we'll see what uh the team at 28 Walker, which owns and manages McHenry Row, might have in store next for that space. But uh it's certainly uh available at the moment. And another closure at McHenry Row is World of Beer, which has that large corner retail space that has the outdoor dining. Uh, you know, they have the big bar. They obviously sold a lot of beer, World of Beer. They did some really cool block parties. So unfortunately um World of Beer is closing, uh, just working on getting more information about that. But uh, one of their uh, regional managers basically said, uh, you know, due to the current economic times, this was uh, tough to keep World of Beer going. So unfortunately, World of Beer is closing. That's a big, interesting space. Uh, I talked to uh, the team from 28 Walker. They said they're working with Ryan Wilner of KLNB to... Uh, get this space leased. They said they've engaged with uh, a few concepts, but they don't have a deal yet. So uh, interesting enough, as you look at McHenry Row, it's been around for about eight years or so, and they really have not had prolonged vacancies at any point uh, during the history of this shopping center and mixed-use development. So we'll see how quickly they can get these spaces filled. Most times when something has closed, there's been something right behind it to take its place. So uh, certainly some some vacant spaces, but maybe an interesting opportunity, maybe Maybe with a space like World of Beer, could it be a space that maybe gets some kind of destination higher end retail or does it stay kind of a sports bar, beer bar? So it'll certainly be interesting to see what direction uh, 28 Walker goes with that. But it's certainly a challenge for them as they have two. And I'm hearing maybe a third 
uh, vacant retail space in that uh, strip of retail. So we'll see how they handle this challenge. But 28 Walker, one of the uh, premier uh, leasing teams of retail in the city, they have uh, the shops at Canton Crossing, one of the bigger shopping centers in the city. They have Wheelhouse in Federal Hill. They have McHenry Row. They have a lot of projects going on. They have a big um, townhome project. They're getting started in Locust Point. So they've got a lot going on, and I'm I'm sure they'll figure it out. Yeah, and those are two great spots that I can't imagine are going to be vacant for very long. And uh, I mean, especially World of Beer right there on the very end. And it's just a great, great destination with all the parking that's available. So those folks want to come in from, you know, out in the county or around the city. You're right by the highway. It's just a great spot to be. Um, So hopefully they won't stay vacant long. Yeah, hopefully not. Yeah, you got some I-95 signage there. Uh, Certainly an easy place to get to. You have the hotel there now in McHenry Row, I guess, kind of when the hotel opened was right when this pandemic kind of got to be more of an issue. So unfortunately, I don't think any of the retail at McHenry Row has really gotten a good windfall from that hotel yet. But certainly that'll be a big asset in the future as things hopefully get back to normal sooner than later. Um, But yeah, certainly... uh, you know, you you know, with those retail spaces, you can have the advantage of being around a lot of offices, being around a hotel, being in a great neighborhood, and certainly having that access to 95 and uh, other parts of the city. So we'll see where they go from here. Uh, then moving along to Cross Street Market, um, they added a tenant, Bullhead Pit Beef. They uh, This is a, obviously Baltimore loves its pit beef, uh, our signature style of grilling and barbecue. So Bullhead Pit Beef opened their stall at Cross Street Market. They had been a uh, a food truck business, which had uh, partnered with um, you know breweries and different events. So now they have their first uh, brick and mortar of their own at Cross Street Market. Uh, I walked through there yesterday. You know they're selling pit beef and pit turkey and pulled chicken and pulled pork. So uh, I know the team at Cross Street Market is super excited to get such a Baltimore staple uh, in there in the market. And uh, you know I assume like you know. Getting ahead of ourselves here, but another bit of news we're going to talk about is the the closure of dining rooms in Baltimore again. So they're going to have to become a, a carryout business here in their early months, but certainly a uh, a big get for Cross Street Market as far as getting one of those signature Baltimore dishes in the market. One of the very interesting and very surprising stories uh, that's happened during this pandemic for Federal Hills. There's actually been a lot of a lot of new retail leases, and especially on Charles Street. Uh, the the uh, thousand and eleven hundred block of Charles Street have really struggled with vacancies in recent years. So uh, we, we've announced some of these businesses, but we're, we're going to have several new announcements here in the next few weeks with a couple new uh, retail spots that are coming to Charles Street. And I was uh, walking around yesterday, and uh, my my senses got alerted as I noticed a couple other for lease signs are gone and some other construction and storefronts going on. So. So as of right now, it looks like 10 new businesses will be added to South Charles Street in the Federal Hill Main Street District, seven of which were announced um, since the pandemic began. And then I have those two other spaces I have my eye on. So really unbelievable. We could add about 12 businesses to Charles Street, which was a street that was kind of struggling right before this pandemic. Another issue that was going on there, there was about a year and a half to two years of gas line work going on the street. So uh, if I'm looking to lease a business and there's trucks in front of my business uh, during business hours, that'd probably be something that would make me think twice. So now the street's been repaved and they're leasing up a lot of space on Charles Street. So that's outstanding to see, especially in an economic time like we have going on right now. 
Oh, that's awesome. And thanks for, for sharing that. I mean, I, you got me really curious now, but you walk down Charles, you drive down Charles, you see a lot more vacancies, it seems like, than say Light Street. So yeah, man, you're throwing that out there and I'm like, ooh, what's coming? What's coming? I'm curious. And hey, you know, one of the things that we talked about on our Sobo Spotlight podcast is the, you know, the new outdoor dining in Fed Hill. Now, a couple of weeks have gone by, just like what Kathy was talking about, Kathy Rosenbaum, who was our guest from Fed Hill Main Street. You know, one of the things I thought was awesome is how she talked about every restaurant's going to decorate it in their own way. And it looks awesome. It just looks really cool. Mm -hmm. So I know you want to kind of chat about that, about some changes there and what's going on with the new outdoor dining. Yeah, sure. Definitely make sure to listen to our Sobo Spotlight podcast with Kathy. She did an awesome job kind of explaining the current realities in Federal Hill and how their big expansion of outdoor seating. You know, they have their uh, the north side of the unit block at East Cross Street adjacent to Cross Street Market. That's now pedestrian only. So you have parklet dining spaces in there. A parklet is where a parking spot is replaced by kind of an outdoor patio for a restaurant. So you have the parklet dining spaces on that side of Cross Street. You also have them on the south side of the unit block across street, which is still has car traffic, but uh, got some parklet spaces there. Then you have the the parklets on the you know thousand and eleven hundred block of Charles and Light Street. So uh, I think actually just the thousand block of Light Street. So yeah, it, it's really a Federal Hill really looks a lot different right now. Uh, we have this you know just the outdoor dining spilling out into the streets. And as you were saying, they'll all have the uh, the chance to decorate these spaces, make them their own. I've seen some nice planters out there. They're currently working on getting string lighting and some shade sails. You know, I, I saw a place like Soba Cafe really did a, a great job designing their outdoor space. So yeah, certainly, um, and it certainly comes at great timing as uh, getting ahead of our next topic as Baltimore City is shutting down indoor dining again, starting today at five o'clock, uh, Friday at five o'clock. So so yeah, it's good timing to have all this additional outdoor dining. And as Kathy was saying, it's a good kind of experiment to see, will this work for Federal Hill long term? You know, especially with uh, summer here and then you got fall coming up, you know, in terms of some of that nicer weather coming in. Um, you know, hopefully this this goes into uh, keeps people people out in the community and checking out all of our awesome restaurants, you know, into the fall. And then I know even when it gets to winter, let's be honest. You know, uh, people live in Sweden, Norway, Finland, right? And people still go out in negative 10 degree weather. So I think we'll be okay in Baltimore, even in the wintertime. If we need to be outside eating, we'll still yeah, do it. Yeah. Certainly you can get the uh, the portable heaters. And obviously, at least early winter, there's always a lot of events that kind of keep people outdoors. When you have the holidays, you have the Christmas light, you have uh, Halloween and uh, different events, different Thanksgiving type events. So certainly at least the early part of the winter, people are used to kind of getting out and about. So yeah, hopefully it's a, a good end of the summer and good fall for all those restaurants. You know, fall is usually the, the perfect time to be outdoors and uh, enjoying, enjoying things outside in South Baltimore. So hopefully it's a, a successful run with this outdoor seating, hopefully a good trial run to see if this is something that could uh, be a permanent reality in Federal Hill. And certainly just looking at it, it, it's certainly great for vibrancy when you're walking down the street and you just see the, the restaurant spilling out into the street. You see the vibrancy. It looks like a neighborhood that's really alive. So hopefully it's a, a good, you know, Kathy called this an opportunity. So this is certainly an opportunity to uh, test something out and see how it works. Right, test it on. I didn't mean to bring up wintertime, even though I'm just being forward thinking, but when it's a thousand <laughs> degrees outside right now, you know, right. kind of like, ooh, it feels like air conditioning is just a few months away. But anyway. Um. Yeah. yeah, I always <laughs> tell people who are... Uh, thinking about moving to Baltimore or new to Baltimore. I'm like, we get the extremes of weather. So certainly <laughs> a day like today, you can walk outside and uh, 
sweat through your shirt pretty quick. And then we have the, the days where you, you know, keep a drip going in your, uh, in your sink to make sure your pipes don't freeze. Right, so right. it's definitely a little crazy to think about winter right now, but uh, things, uh, things can change pretty Absolutely. quickly. And uh, speaking of maybe spending a little more time indoors at some point, well, you know, those of us with kids, we're definitely going to be, uh, you know, have them in our households a little bit longer here because we got some changes with the COVID-19 rules and everything going on. So Kev, I know you want to definitely speak to some of that that's happening. Yeah, so Baltimore City Public Schools made their announcement on how they're going to move forward with this uh, fall semester coming up. And uh, as of now, they're going to start with uh, virtual learning, a, a continuation of how the school year ended last year. Um, so, you know, essentially, it's really going to, I'm sure the curriculum's going to depend on the grade your, your child's in, but, you know, certainly there'll be homeschooling, work to do at home, uh, you know, some classes on Zoom. So yes, you know, talk about, uh, you know, obviously so many aspects to look at with a decision like this. Um, how do you open the schools? How do you do things? But certainly uh, the, the parents of, of local kids are certainly, their lives could be a lot different where you have to either have to get a babysitter or, or find the time to homeschool your kid. There's a lot of, you know, I'd say probably most families around here have two working parents. So certainly throwing a lot of uh, lives into uh, a little bit of chaos. You know, one interesting thing is the the Catholic schools have announced they very likely will be opening for, for you know, they basically said they're doing everything they can to have kids back in the classroom. Also, some of the private pre-K options in, in South Baltimore look like they will be open also. So should be an interesting shuffle. You know, what do parents do? Do you, do you take some time off of work or at least a few hours a day to work on this virtual learning? Do you bring in a, a nanny? Do you move your kids to private school? And one thing I think will be interesting is um, looking at what counties do have classroom learning and which don't. Is there any shuffling around? You know, there's probably a lot of families that have a second home, maybe at the beach somewhere, maybe Maryland or Delaware, or New Jersey. Do any parents consider moving their kids to a jurisdiction that does have classroom learning this year, or maybe people have a, a grandparent or a family member in a county that might decide to have in-classroom learning. So it should be a very interesting shuffle, but I know for sure that uh, most families that have kids are kind of throwing their hands up in the air right now trying to figure out what to do. So uh, those, those parents that are out there um, that may be needing help, one thing I've seen, and again, one thing that's amazing about this awesome community we live in, we live in here in South Baltimore is that whether it's SBNA or FHSNA, you know, any of the Facebook groups that are out there, I've seen a lot of people posting going back and forth, those that might need some, some help with nannies or, or, you know, some sort of care for their children, you know, and depending on what their economic status might be, so forth, there's all types of options and there's a lot of people out there willing to help. So just want to throw a shout out there to, you know, make sure you check out some of those groups on Facebook and, uh, you know, other social media sites where if you're, if you're looking for help, there's a lot of support out there. So, you know, you're not on your own, but we're all in the same boat. So, uh, you know, try to reach out to some other friends and neighbors if you need some help with that. Yeah, it's certainly one of the great things about South Baltimore is just a, a wonderful community. And certainly I think different people are in kind of different demographics of their point of life, whether they have a young family, maybe they're an empty nester, maybe they're a young professional, maybe they're a teenager themselves, but certainly that that young family uh, scene around South Baltimore's can be very tight knit and very helpful. So certainly a, an opportunity here for for people to to lend a hand and help everybody get through this. We'll see how much longer it goes, but certainly at least we know starting in the fall things will certainly be uh, different than normal. 
So, Kev, we got some changes here around the city for our dining. Yeah, so uh, Mayor Jack Young and his health commissioner decided that they were going to shut down restaurant dining rooms uh, again. So that will start Friday at 5 p.m. Um, so certainly a tough blow to the restaurant industry, which has been affected so much by, by COVID-19. Um, so, yeah, you know, hopefully it's good timing, at least with the expanded outdoor seating that we now have in Federal Hill, but, you know, certainly be a, another challenge for, uh, for local restaurants and hopefully they can find the fight in them to, to keep fighting and, and, and stay, stay in business. I know we covered two restaurant closings on our podcast today, but, you know, South Baltimore has 180 plus restaurants and most of them are still in business. And hopefully that continues. You know, I was in um, Delaware last week and they had a model where, there was no more bar seating, no more standing around at a restaurant, but they did have it where every other um, dining room table was able to be open or some places kind of had like plexiglass covering between booths. So, you know, maybe Baltimore could have looked at a model where you you shut down the bar seating and the standing around and keep the, the dining rooms going. But they went with the uh, the full shutting down again of, of restaurant dining rooms. So certainly... Certainly a challenge. They, they they specifically mentioned Southeast Baltimore as an area that started having um, higher positivity rates of, of COVID nineteen. Um, you look at the you know, state of Maryland. You know hospitalizations have gone up from in the high three hundreds to back over five hundred. So there's there's been a bit of a rise in hospitalizations around Maryland. Uh, not a huge spike, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how. Uh, how the different areas handle this. Um, as far as I think, I think Baltimore city is the only one to shut down dining rooms again in full. So we'll keep an eye on this. Another, another unfortunate challenge for our businesses, but, uh, just, just a reminder, you can support these businesses by getting carry out, getting carry out drinks, uh, dining outside gift cards, you know, t-shirts. So just make sure to keep supporting our local businesses and their employees because it's obviously a, a tough time that isn't over yet. Well, Kev, we got mostly positives happening. People are adjusting to the new realities of everything with COVID and how to do business and, and you know how to get back to school and get everything normal as possible. But at least one thing that we got going for us is it looks like some sports are coming back, right? We're going to have some Ravens. Hey, the Orioles start their season today, which is pretty amazing because typically by this time in the year, the Orioles season is already over. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I kept saying while... Uh... <laughs> While the pandemic was going on, as the the Orioles are still in first place, they were also in, in last place at the same time. But yeah, you know, I, I always joked that if if we had ten games, we might be uh, two and eight at that point. So uh, I guess uh, you can keep some optimism until the season starts. But the the season starts tonight. Uh, the uh, the Orioles will be playing at Fenway Park in Boston with with no fans tonight. They're going to be playing a sixty game season in sixty six days. So it'll be a uh, you know, probably about the same pace as baseball usually goes, but it'll be a, it'll be a quick season. And who knows when you're, uh, you know, 162 games, when you, when you cut 102 games off the schedule with a upstart young team, like Baltimore, does that give them a better chance to compete? Probably. Cause you know, it's, it's, if you're not that good, it's tough to hang in for a hundred plus games, but who knows, maybe they could catch lightning in a bottle and at least make things exciting. So, so the Orioles will have, you know, home games starting next week, Major League Baseball has announced there's not going to be any fans to start the season, but we'll see if that changes as the season goes on. 
we've seen some ballparks do some pretty cool things like Los Angeles and Oakland and some other teams where they've made cardboard cutouts of uh, basically fans who have reserved a seat in some of the lower deck seats, which is, which is pretty cool to look at. So we'll see if the Orioles maybe go in that direction at all. And uh, one other interesting thing is um, you have that Hilton Hotel, which overlooks Camden Yards. So that could be uh, your one way to get a, a peek at a live Orioles game this year. So Ooh, I'm, sure those, yeah. I'm sure those hotel rooms with the balconies overlooking Camden Yards will be a hot commodity this year. Uh, I, I plan on uh, trying to reserve one for a game myself. So uh, it'll be an interesting baseball season. And here's a really interesting thing is the Toronto Blue Jays, the only Canadian team in Major League Baseball was denied permission by the Canadian government to uh, play games at Rogers Center, their home ballpark. So they are looking for a place to play, which is a little late in the game right now as the season actually already started last night for a lot of teams. And uh, the Blue Jays are starting with an away string of games, but they need a place to play their home games. And it looks like Camden Yards could be that place as the Orioles and the Blue Jays have kind of come to an agreement to allow that to happen. I think they would build like a temporary locker room for the Blue Jays so that they're not sharing sharing locker rooms. But this this move would just need the approval of the state of Maryland. Governor Hogan has not made an announcement definitively one way or another on that. But that could be uh, kind of interesting where the, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays and the Orioles are uh, both playing at Camden Yards this year. And like I mentioned before, you know, you have those, those Hilton hotel rooms. Maybe if maybe we could get some Blue Jays fans coming into town. And obviously the, the Blue Jays would need to stay in a local hotel somewhere. So it wouldn't be as exciting as if this was normal, where we basically have two baseball teams for the summer, but certainly an interesting storyline where uh, we would have two baseball teams for the summer. There just most likely wouldn't be fans for most of those games. And we'll see if the Canadian government updates their, uh, their position at all. But uh, very interesting news there. That is very interesting. That is very interesting. We got some football coming back too, right? Yeah. So, you know, football will come back in the fall, you know, in September. And there's a lot to be negotiated with how the football season looks as far as fans. And if there's any changes to preseason, looks like there likely will be. But we do know, as the Ravens have said, if fans are allowed, they're going to cap it at 14,000. And the stadium holds a little bit over 71,000. So that's certainly a big reduction in seating capacity. You know, 14,000 fans would allow them to space people out between the three decks of the stadium. So I guess we will see that'll depend on the NFL. That'll depend on the state of Maryland to see what decision is made as far as fans attending games. But we do know that the stadium will not be full this year uh, if fans are allowed at all. But, you know, NFL looks like they're definitely moving towards having a, a normal season. And obviously, uh, the Ravens, 14-2 and two last year, got a lot of Baltimoreans really excited. So, you know, everyone's looking for anything to be excited about these days. So hopefully the, the Ravens will pick up where they left off last year in the regular season and have another good season. And uh, everyone will have to scream from the roof decks and uh, their TVs to uh, get some environment going in South Baltimore. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Anything going on with uh, SouthBmore.com that people need to be aware of? The website itself. Sure. I think that about covers the, the news of the week. Um, but yeah, certainly uh, if, if any business is looking to advertise, certainly uh, contact us. We have a lot of great ways to uh, to market your business, to market your event, to market your organization, to market a, a home you might have for sale or for rent. So certainly uh, let us know. Uh, we're, we're a great way to reach the South Baltimore audience. And we'd love to team up with you to uh, spread the word about what you're doing. So uh, contact us if you have any interest. Uh, we appreciate everybody for uh, 
logging onto the site. We love all of our new podcast listeners. So uh, we're always excited to uh, be in South Baltimore, cover South Baltimore, and uh, look forward to uh, bringing you more updates every day. Awesome. Thank you, Kev. Thank you. We are out. We'll talk to you soon in a couple of weeks. Take care, everybody. Go O's! You're listening to This Week in South Baltimore, brought to you by SouthBmore.com.